So this morning we're going to be talking about that little known story in the Bible about David and Goliath. You know, not many people know about this, so I want to spread some light on it a little bit. Now, in fact, it's actually one of the, not only one of the most popular stories in the Bible, it's one of the most well-known stories in our culture. You can talk about a Goliath problem and people know exactly what you're talking about. But in order to, to kind of understand this better, I need to kind of explain all that's happening in the story, and there is a lot going on. So, Tristan, if you want to come help me, and then you, all this section right here, if you're, you know, under 40, you can come up, so, come on, come on, including my children, come up, so, all right, so you stand right here, all right, and Hunter, I need you to. So Jude and Tristan and Hunter, y'all come here. Y'all stand right here. Look, look big and brave. Oh, Katie too. Come on, you're not getting out of it. And uh, Noah and Presley and Katie and Morgan, you stand right here, kind of clumped together. And Scott, of course, I need you. So, and you stand right here. Come on, come on. Man. And Kevin, Kevin. Okay, you stand right here. Guess who he is? Yeah. So So what's going on in this scene is the the Israelites are fighting the Philistines and they're kind of locked in this battle. And every morning the Philistine army and the Israelite army would get together face to face and their giant Goliath would come out. And he would state, like, what are you doing here? I am Philistine's biggest and most successful warrior, and y'all are just servants of Saul. Why do you even bother to fight me? I defy you. Every morning this went on for 40 days, and every time Goliath would say these words, the Israelite army would run away. They were scared to death. But then there's this great young man named David, and all he's supposed to do is his, is his father said, hey, look, you need to go take some food to your brothers because that's what you did. When everyone was fighting in the army, the family would send food along. So he just had to take a basket of food and grains and then check in on his brother. You know, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have texting. He just had to see how his brothers were doing. And so David comes to his brothers. He has three brothers here. Get, come on, get together. All right. The Bible says that these are, and we learn earlier in the, in the chapter, that these are three strapping young men, but these guys will do for now, right? But <laughs> they, they are big. They are ready for battle. They are warriors. And David, when he comes in, they actually do this little meeting where they, the Israelite army and the Philistine army are getting head to head. And David asks his brother, like, whoa, why are you letting that dude talk to you that way? And it's kind of like that instant, have you ever been stuck on a problem where, like, you can't find a solution and that person comes up like, hey, have you ever thought about doing this? You know, you're like, oh, yeah, we thought about that. We should get rid of Goliath. That would solve all our problems. That's kind of where they were. They're like, David, be quiet. Go away. We don't need you. But David won't stop. He just keeps talking. Like, why are, why are we not doing anything about this? So it goes beyond his brothers to the Israelite army. And they're, and they're explaining <laughs> that's who these people are. 
to the Israelite army, like, why are you letting him talk this way? Why aren't we doing something about this? And they're telling him, like, well, this is what we're doing. This is what Saul's offered for whoever goes and slays a giant. But they're still in fear. So they still don't understand what's happening. And David's words just keep getting louder and louder. And it's going through the army until it gets to Saul. Now, Saul, he's a strapping young man. Stays heads above everyone else. And Saul actually listens to what he says. And for some reason, Saul says, sure, why don't you go fight him? What's he thinking? Like this young boy, who they think David's around 15 years old at this time. So this young boy gets before Saul, says those words, I'm here, I'm going to get this done, I'm your man. And Saul goes, which is the funniest part of this, he says, God be with you. Because what else do you say? Good luck, David. (laughs) And David grabs five stones and goes out and slays Goliath. And that's the story where we are. All right, give him a hand, sir. All right, thank you. Now, there's a lot going on in this story, don't you think? There's a lot going on here, as we talked about in our men's Bible study this last Thursday, which there weren't a lot of men there, so 6.30, across the street, Thursday. But when you think about David and Goliath, what do you think about? What comes to mind? Trust? Faith? Courage? What? Rocks. What else? Good aim. Good aim. <laughs> Cowardice. Cowardice. What else? What? Against all odds. Yeah, there's a lot to this story. And as we talked about our men's Bible study this week, we were just kind of going round and round, and, and all those things would be good places, good things to talk about. But what do you talk about in a story that everyone knows? What do you talk about? Because you can talk about trust. You can talk about against all odds. You can talk about what's going on with the Israelite army or with David. And as I sat and just kind of reflected on this passage a lot, there's this one section that kind of really bothers me, and I never quite get. And that is why does David pick up five stones? In, in a story that shows this amazing amount of confidence in his abilities and faith and trust in God, why does he pick up five stones? And there's some theories about this. One is, is that Goliath actually had four other brothers. We learn about in 2 Samuel. And so maybe David picked up five stones so he could knock out all the giants. But we don't really know that David actually knew who Goliath was before he got there or that he had four brothers. Another aspect of this is um, that, that David was just getting ready in case he did slay the giant and then the, the Philistine army started to attack, that he was prepared. And, and that's a more logical explanation, makes sense. You wouldn't want to use one stone and go, oh, shoot, there's a bunch of people coming at you. You want to be prepared. And as, you, as I look a little further, I, I kind of study this a little more. The thing that kind of stuck out to me most is just kind of the way David uh, responded to Saul with that, hey, I'm your man, I'm here to do this, I've done this before, I've attacked bears, I've attacked lions, I've protected the sheep. And the best way I can understand is that David was prepared. 
And David was going to be, be prepared to go face the giant. And so that's what I want to look at this morning, is each one of these stones is the five stones of preparation. How do we prepare ourselves like David for what God is calling us to? And so the first stone I want to look at this morning is the stone of focus. Now you have to understand, when David was coming into this scene where he's seeing his brothers, he's seeing all the army, you understand how easy it would be for kind of a young boy looking up to his older brothers to come in and kind of be enveloped into the situation? That the negativity, the fear that was going on there? But David didn't. Like he got there, he's like, whoa, what's going on here? This is ridiculous. Because he had a focus. He had a focus of what God had for him. And he had a focus of saying, you know what? This dude, Goliath, he's defying Israel and God. This has to be taken care of. He had this focus beyond the situation at hand. And this is one of our greatest challenges in living in our modern society. We have so many tasks, objects, desires, negativities, and fears that it's easy to lose focus on what matters most. It's easy to lose focus on what we should be doing and what God has for us in our own lives. The reality is we will never accomplish what God has for us as long as we listen to the noise. As long as we are distracted by what our society is telling us. But look what happens when someone does have focus. When someone like David comes in and says, there's a problem, this is how you fix it. And let's get to it. What are we waiting on? So that's the first stone to look at this morning, the stone of focus. The next stone is the stone of obedience. Um, and when David was talking to the men in the army and later to Saul, this wasn't really uh, arrogance on David's part. This is obedience. Someone, Goliath, this person, was defying and speaking against God. It had to be taken care of. and had to be dealt with accordingly. This is obedience in David. And David's obedience is very passionate, as you can see. It's what the children of Israel were called to, obedience, when they were brought out of Egypt. Obedience is what Jesus taught when he was teaching around Jerusalem. Samuel, who anointed David a few chapters earlier, says, isn't obedience better than sacrifice? This is what we're called to do no matter where we are, is to be obedient we need to show obedience in the midst of overwhelming circumstances. And let me put this in perspective to you. Is obedience tough? Yeah. Do we want to do God's will? Yeah. Do we want to do our will? Oh, yeah. But look at David being obedient in this situation. Here's a boy going to his brothers, kind of defying what they're telling him, going up against the king, tell him he's going to take care of the situation, going into battle and killing a giant. Now, I've had some bad days in my life. I've never had anything like that happen. So if David, this young man, can be obedient in the midst of that type of circumstance, an overwhelming situation, how much more can we be obedient in our own lives? Because obedience leads to greater things. The next stone I want to look at that David had was this stone of trust. Oh, trust. Boy, we all know we need trust, don't we? And it's pretty easy, isn't it? Everybody? You still with? I can't really see y'all, so if you're... Yeah. 
We're all sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> Already lost them. No, it's a stone of trust. We know we know we need to trust in God. We know we need to trust in, in what He has for us. But it's hard, isn't it? Trust is challenging and difficult. You know, at some point, you read this story, at some point you, you, you would think David would be like, oh, what am I doing? What have I got myself into? But he never seems to be that way. I mean, as soon as he arrives on the scene, why is this happening? To his brothers, to, to the army, what's going on? Why is no one fighting? To, to Saul, let me go take care of that situation. And even when he gets in front of Goliath, he's like, dude, you are toast. Like, I mean, he's just this confidence and trust that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And this is a thing about David that's unique, um, that's somewhat unique in the Old Testament. When you look at almost every other person who goes into battle, every other person who's called to something great in the Old Testament, they either heard directly from God or from a prophet who told them what was, or an angel of the Lord, or a prophet who told them something that God told them. In this instance, in this amazing story, we don't see where God directly went to David and told him he was going to win, that he was going to be victorious. David had to trust in what God had already prepared him to do. And that's not to be overlooked lightly. Because you know what? If God spoke through an angel of the Lord and told me to do something, oh yeah, I'm going to do it. But you know to do it because of all the work and preparation I've done throughout my life, it's a different story. But that's where David was in this story, was to trust in the work that God has done in his life. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on what you know. Because what I know is not that big. But in all your ways, acknowledge God, and he will make your path straight. And this is where we find David. He had laser focus to walk the straight path into the battle and face the, the giant and Goliath. And trust is challenging, and this is, this is the struggle I have in my own life when it comes to trust, because I do trust in God, and I trust that He's going to move, but that doesn't exempt me from the work that I need to do. Because David still had to use his legs and walk into battle. He had to still pick up some stones, and he still had to do the slingshot and hope and pray he got a good target. And trust that all the work God had done in his life up to that point would be evident in this one moment. And that's why we have to trust, and that's why we need to trust in what God is doing and trust in his kingdom and not mine. And that's one of the keys. The next stone I look at is the stone of discipline because nothing can be accomplished unless we're prepared for the opportunity. You know, Hebrews twelve eleven says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. And has anyone ever, like, started working out after you haven't worked out for a couple months? Oh, my gosh, it's painful. We all know what that's like. Day one's awesome. Day three, you don't want to get out of bed. But once you keep doing it and keep doing it, by the fourth month, fifth month, sixth month, man, you feel good. And there's a reward there. And that's what 11 says. But later, this discipline yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. 
David was ready for the opportunity placed in front of him because he had trained daily as a shepherd. I love that scene where, where David gets before uh, Saul, and he, it, it's almost like a job interview. It's like he's saying, well, uh, you know, I've, I've trained very well. I've taken care of bears. I've taken care of lions. I believe I'm your man, Saul. You know, I, I can do what needs to be done. He's very confident in what he's saying because he's done this over and over again. I've taken care of the bears. I've taken care of the lions. I've protected the sheep. This is just one more instance that I need to take care of what's going on because I've been disciplined in my responsibilities that have been given to me. You know, it's easy if you're training for an event to be disciplined. It's more tangible. If you're you're training for a a race, you know, you want to wake up early, you want to go run or ride your bike, you want to eat well, you want to eliminate the distractions that, that get you, uh, that take you off course. You stay disciplined, and the bigger the event, probably the more discipline you need to have in order to accomplish your goals. You know, in the spiritual life, our disciplines are prayer, they're fasting, they're Bible study, they're fellowship, they're worship. Ironically, in its um, kind of classical state, they're actually called disciplines because they're challenging, they're difficult. There's something that we should be doing every day to train our soul for what God has for us. And there's nothing magical about discipline. Every one of you in here makes time for those things that are important for you. If you want to ride your bike, you'll find time to ride your bike. If you want to have coffee with friends, you'll find time for it. If you want to spend time with God, you will find time for it. The single greatest excuse I hear from most people, and I've spent most of my life in church. Well, I've spent all of my life in church. I think I was born in a pew. But, uh, you know, I spent most of my adult life either full-time ministry or in lay ministry. And over and over again, the biggest excuse I hear from people, and it was funnier when I was a full-time pastor, is is people kind of come up to you like kind of justifying their actions. Like, you know, I I really shouldn't read the Bible more. You know, I really should pray more. I don't know what they're looking for me, because like, yeah, you should. I, don't, I mean, you, we know this in our heart, that we should spend more time with God, yet we don't. So why don't we? You know, we could blame it on distractions, and if you've followed me recently, I, I've been doing a lot of work in dealing with distractions in our society and the effects that they're having in our lives, and we could blame these on distractions, because we are distracted. Every one of us is going 90 miles an hour. We've got a thousand things to do. We've got so many things going on in our lives that we just simply don't have time for God. And so we could blame it on that, but that's not really it. If we get down to the core, if we get down to the real reason we don't prepare ourselves properly for a life in Christ, like David did, is that we don't find it meaningful enough or life-changing enough to make it a priority. And that's harsh. But the reality of our lives is we're not in a place, and when I look at my own life, uh, of spending time with God in the morning, praying, reading the Bible, learning more about Him, spending time with Him, so I can do the rest of my activities well. I'm doing all my activities and hoping I have time for God left over. And then we wonder why we go out and face a giant and fail miserably. Because we haven't had the right priority 
in our own lives. Because in my own life, I've not gotten to a place where I can truly put Christ first. Truly have everything else in my life secondary. And the biggest reason is, is because I want control. I trust God as long as my life turns out the way I want it to. But David, walking into battle, everything, there's probably like a 99.999% chance he got out alive. Everything was working against him. His brothers, the army, Saul, the armor, this giant in front of him. But because he started with God, started with the discipline of coming before God, those were just tasks to fulfill the day. Instead of doing all those and going, gosh, I hope God comes with me. We need the stone of discipline in our lives. The last stone I want to look at this morning is the stone of confidence. Because if you look at this one, this isn't like confidence in ourselves, but confidence in what God is doing. It's that Hebrews 11.1, 1, the faith of confidence in things unseen. Now, I'm not sure you, you grasp in my little, like, 30-second, you know, story here, the magnitude of this situation, the magnitude of what was going on. And David coming in, and, and it almost looked cocky to his brothers. I mean, his brother's like, David, be quiet, go away, why are you here? But he kept on, because he had a confidence in what God is doing. Remember, as a young boy, uh, he started out as a man after God's own heart. When Samuel went to go anoint one of Jesse's sons, Jesse, he was the last one that he picked. There's eight boys all together. And Samuel kept on thinking, oh, they're the big strong ones. And, they, and God was like, you don't see people the way I see people. And David is a young man after God's own heart. And this is where David was with this confidence to come before what was happening in the moment and do what was needed. Because listen to these words that David speaks that we read earlier, and this is 45 through 47. Because David says, You come at me with a sword and spear, and he's talking to Goliath, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. The, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies to the host of the Philistines this day, to the birds of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battles of the Lord's, and he will give you into your hand. Who talks like that? Someone with the confidence of God. Because think about this confidence. You know, I've, I've worked many years in the business world uh, as well, and I've seen so many men and women who were just strong in front of a crowd. They could talk to investors. They could talk to clients in these amazing ways. But, but almost cower when it came to their faith. And one reason is they spent a lot of time in preparation and discipline to have the confidence they need in the boardroom. They haven't spent the time 
or the discipline to have the confidence they need in the prayer room. But this is the confidence that we're all called to. That in the midst of a battle, a 15-year-old boy can defy an entire army and take down the giant. This is what David's previous work has taught him. To be prepared for the confident work that God is doing. And confidence is what we need more of in our church, in our society, and confidence in God and ourselves. The bottom line is, is you need to be prepared for the work God has for you. Every one of us has a Goliath in our lives that we don't know how to take care of. But it's going to be through the obedience, the trust, the faith, the discipline, and the focus that we have the confidence to face the Goliaths in our lives. Because God has an amazing work that he wants you to do. But we need to be prepared properly for what he's called us to. And do the work that must be done. And this is the pathway that David gave us in, in, in slaying Goliath. Because if you look at the confidence and ability of this 15-year-old boy, what if we took everyone in here and we had the same confidence of this young boy? Imagine what we could do for the kingdom of God. So as I wrap this up, my challenge for you this morning, the takeaway for your Monday morning as you leave this place and go about your day, what do you do tomorrow when you go to school, you go to work, or you're home? The question I want to ask you is, what is God calling you to? What is God calling you up to? And in the midst of that, which one of these stones do you need to concentrate on this week to prepare yourself for the battle ahead? Let's pray. Lord God, we, we just thank you so much for the example you gave us in David. It's almost an unbelievable story, something out of folklore or fiction. But not for you. You prepared a young man's heart well in advance for that particular moment. And I just pray as we leave this place, as we peer into our own lives, Lord God, we can see where we need to be prepared more, where we need to prepare more for what you are calling us to. That our hearts could be disciplined, that they could be focused, that we could be obedient even in times that seem challenging, to do the work that you've called us to do. I thank you for this day. I thank you for bringing us here and letting your spirit soar. Be with us as we leave this place, and that all we could do would be an example for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming, and have a great afternoon.